episode 33 of Running Matters. My name is Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host, Danny Toole. How are you going, DT? Good, buddy. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Our special guest today is Sue Lloyd and Jake Roos. Thanks for giving up your time, guys, and coming in. No problem, mate. No problem having you be here. I'm looking forward to sharing your story uh, with the listeners, so it should be a bit of fun. We'll have a few beers and, and get chatting. Before we uh, get into it, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Filter Brewing, Goo Energy, Gaimi Allied Health, Fractal Running Caps, and Swimguard Pool Fence Certification. That's my little business. <laughs> Got to throw that in. Uh, I'd also like to thank Jimmy Carroll. He's our sound editor behind the scenes, so he puts our music and sound together, so that's always a bonus. Um, we're uh, ambassadors for... Uh, Surf Coast Century, have you guys heard of that down mm-hmm. in Victoria? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we're going down to do that race in September. So looking forward to doing that, training up for for 100K. So that should be challenging and a uh, good goal to look forward to. So if any of the listeners want to do that race, we've got a promo code, Running Matters SCC2019, and that gives you 10% discount. And you guys, I've told you about our Royal Double Ultra Marathon. So by this... This, by the time this is released, day one will be sold out. So there's only two entries left. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, so we've done pretty pretty well for the first year. Who'd have thought there was that many fruitcakes who'd want to run? <laughs> 50 by 50, no? You can say that because you haven't entered. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, yeah, so that's good. So there was only, today there's only seven spots left for the Sunday, and I think that'll be full by the time this is released. So if anyone's interested to have a look, We've got a Facebook page, Royal Double Ultra Marathon, so we're pretty happy to have something on locally. And Goo's, Goo's our sponsor, so it's, it's good to have you guys here as well. Um, I want to do a shout-out. One of our listeners, Matthew Daniels from Geelong in Victoria, tomorrow Matt completes 533 half marathons in a row. <laughs> um, so that's over two years of running 21 kilometres wow. daily, so it's pretty impressive. Daily, so that's a, a streak. It's a streak. Every single day. Two years oh, streak. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 500 days. Tomorrow's his last day. Pretty serious. Um, all crazy. But um, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do a, a podcast with him when we go down to Surf Coast. So. I thought our stuff was crazy. Yeah. Wow. yeah, that's impressive. That's impressive, isn't it? It's impressive that the body can keep going, yeah. you know, without, I guess it's a consistency, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And also in 2016, he ran 55 marathons in a row and holds the official world record for that. Wow. 55. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? Wow. There you go. Some serious people out there, I must say. They walk amongst us, Danny. They do. They walk (laughs) amongst us. We've got two of them right here. Yeah, we do. Sleepwalking amongst us, in fact. Yeah. Probably. Fruitcake's a strong word, Danny. (laughs) It's not used loosely, I tell you. (laughs) That's right. So, Sue, I met you 20 years ago down at Sutherland Track, or no, Sylvania Athletics Track, I should say. Uh, we used to be a Thursday night special. Yes. Um, what have you been doing for 20 years? Wow, that was a long time ago. So, I think back then, you, your goal was just to run a three-hour, sub-three-hour marathon from, from memory. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, that was I'm, one of the goals. I'm assuming it's... you would have, would have knocked that over. Yeah, well, I've done that a couple of times, so I was quite happy with that. But um, venturing on from there, I've... Married, two children, and I don't go to track anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, we had that regular Thursday night track happening down there. Had some great athletes that used to come That's down fun. there. Yeah. yeah, like great triathletes like Greg Welsh used to come down, um, you know, fantastic runners. So I think it was a, a really good session we used to have down there. Yeah. And, yeah, venturing on many years ahead and two children now, 15 now, they are. Yeah. And... Um, Got into some adventure racing and mountain biking. That's what I do these days. Yep. So you you, you ran for quite a while. You were doing road running at the time. And then what sort of sort of led you, like all of us, were you sick of road running? Do we try to avoid injuries? What what took you away from road running? Yeah, I think, I think just the boredom of one discipline. You know, day in, day out, I just, I, I like to do different things and see different things. So for me to be able to, spend a lot of time in the bush and you know see some beautiful aspects of nature is what drives me to do what I do yeah and the fact that you're so close where you are going in Bay to absolutely the National park, yeah National Park is my playground and I'm in there most days so yeah tend not to run on the road yeah. I never really did 
uh, besides track. I always used to try and get into the, the national park. But, um, the reason, I, as I say, the reason I do what I do is to take me to, you know, natural places and see beauty and the mountains and the rivers and that sort of thing. Yeah, it I think, is. I think we all like that aspect of uh, absolutely, especially from where we live. You mm. know, we're all see each other on the trail pretty regularly and yeah. it's pretty awesome I must say. It is good. And and Jake, how did you end up partnering up with Sue to um to do this these crazy races? Were you a normal person once? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um so I, I started with a running background growing up, um, through Sutherland Athletics and cross country and so forth and um, then kind of uh, was also playing other sports, basketball and soccer, but basketball took priority towards the later but later parts of teenage years and into the early 20s and mid-20s and then um, finished playing at a competitive level and then looking for something to do um, socially and also um, to challenge myself a bit. So, you know, started back running and um, started with the goal of running the Southern, um or the, the um, Lady Carrington Southern Half. And, oh, yeah. um, Enjoyed that, then uh, dabbled in a, a little adventure race down out of Audley, which at the time was the Kathmandu race, mm-hmm. and um, through Matt's adventure and loved it, actually did that with Dad, and um, he didn't so much love it, so um, <laughs> I had to find new partners, and yeah. one thing led to another, and I remember, funny enough, I don't even know if I've told Sue this yeah. story, I have, yeah, but I remember seeing a, an article in the uh, newspaper, the leader, uh, years ago, before all that, of... Um, Sue and three others that were taking on XPD, um, in the, which was in the Snowy Mountains, I think. Yeah, that's right. And I thought, that's something I want to do. And then one thing led to another, and mate invited me along to the mountain bike group on the Saturdays, and I met Sue through that, and Lloydie and the crew. And, yeah, then I think I got pulled in. We, both of us got pulled into our first decent-sized adventure race together, which was GeoQuest through Darren Conley and yep. Keith Thomas. And since then, we've been racing together. So how long ago was that? Did you sort of form that team? Facebook memory, love them. Yeah. Seven years ago on June long weekend, just gone. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've done three expedition races together. Yeah. Three. Yeah. So we did Wildside. Oh yeah. XPD Shellhaven World yeah. Champs yeah. and um, God's Own this year. And a number of GeoQuests, which are just forty-eight hour ones. Just, just 48 hours. So I want to talk about this crazy race. I want to talk about the God Zone race. So are you going to do the one in Rotorua in November 2020 in New Zealand? Um, no, we've decided that we'll probably do one in Australia. Okay. It's the same distance. Yeah. Same sort of concept, but um, yeah. What, what, is, what is that God Zone race or... or Series of so an expedition length race is anywhere between five and ten days. Right. Um, so it consists of multi disciplines, including running, trekking, mountain biking, um, anything on water. So ropes, roping, caving, pack rafting. Pack rafting is a new sort of discipline. But the main the the main thing that it's all about is is orienteering. Yeah. And collecting checkpoints. So it's all right. about being able to, to navigate. Yeah, right. So there's no actual trail or is there a set route between the, the checkpoints or you just choose your own adventure to get to each checkpoint? Um, yeah. Well, there's rules. They've basically got out-of-bounds rules. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. So there's certain points you're not allowed to go and they'll mark yeah. those on the map. Uh, the rest of it's up to you and your route planning. And yeah. Fastest route obviously gets you there the quickest. So. But you do have to collect these checkpoints in order. Yeah. So you collect them in order, like orienteering, and then yep. at the end, it's the shortest time with the most amount of points. And do you have to collect every point? Yeah, so certain races have different rules. Um, God Zone's pretty strict um, over in New Zealand. If you don't get a checkpoint, um, you can continue on, but you become unranked. Um, uh, some other races have time penalties for missing checkpoints, like two hours or four hours. Um yeah, so it depends on the race organisers' view on it and how they set the course. Yeah, okay. When you talk about rankings, can you tell us about the Adventure Racing World Tour? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, that was actually... It was, it's all been started by the guys that started GeoQuest, um, Craig and Louise from Geocentric Outdoors, and 
Um, they ran that uh, 48 hour race in June long weekend every year and the expedition length of race, race in Australia. And obviously there were different um, part, uh, groups around the world that ran expedition races and they orchestrated the, the ARWS um, and their directors on that with others. And um, I think there's about 13 races at the moment that make up the Adventure Racing World Series um, with a, um, a world championships held um, in a different location. Um, and to qualify technically, you have to have won one of those races um, and uh, or if you're in the host country, maybe receive a wildcard wild card entry into it. Okay. So, the World Championships this year was cancelled because it was in Sri Lanka. Unfortunately, and with the terror. Was, with the terrorism, mm. they, that they decided that it, yeah, it wasn't race, probably a safe place, so yeah. they ended up cancelling yeah. the race. Is it a professional... Is it a professional sport? Are there people that do it full-time that have sponsorships? Yes. Yeah. 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 So there's only probably one, to, one maybe two teams in Australia that are professional. Yeah. Um, the world champions are from New Zealand. They're just off the chart. New Zealanders are the toughest people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, they're just hard asses. Yeah. They know how to race, you know. They know not how to sleep. <laughs> and, and their terrain is just and incredible. Yeah. So when, when you, I'd call it semi-professional too, in the sense that they're not earning a lifestyle or an income out of it, they're covering costs yeah. and entry fees and that it's, type of it's stuff. It's a very expensive sport. Yeah. You know, entry fees alone for us to go to God's Zone was about $8,000 just for yeah. an entry. Really? And then on top of that, you've got all your equipment. Yeah. Equipment is yeah. incredibly expensive. Yeah. I, I couldn't, that's like, it's hard to fathom that world too. I like, who, it's, it's, it's almost... You know, but, yeah, who has the time to be able to travel around and do these events and mm. have it paid for and then still make a living? But people who are doing this are people like us who who don't necessarily do it to make a living. They're doing it for the experience the yeah, and the yeah. adventure. And yeah, they're seeing parts of the world that people aren't seeing. Yeah, yeah. And that's well, what the attraction is. I watched um, I watched some videos on the God Zone Museum. Look, absolutely beautiful mm. oh. like this green water and these you know these deep valleys with rapids and things and and then i had a bit of a read about it and i'll, I'll read it to, for the listeners it says it's a mixed team of four uh they travel day and night with decisions to rest and sleep left solely to the discretion of the teams themselves teams navigate trek mountain bike kayak over a vast array of different landscapes that test the mental and physical skills of participants to the ultimate limit. The route is kept secret from the teams until the day before the race. There are multiple route options for teams, meaning strategic decisions will be very important. Competitors change from one mode of transportation to the other to the designated transition areas. Um, it's approximately 500 kilometres and the fastest team will normally get it done in four days. Some teams take seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's uh, it sounds so difficult, you know. Like, it's how do you guys? What's the hardest part? Is it the sleep deprivation? Do you plan for that? Do you train for that? Um, yeah, the the part of the attraction to the sport for me is the the mental and physical combined challenge, mm-hmm. rather than just the physical high threshold stuff. Um, and the longer you're out there, the harder that becomes because of um, the brain can only uh, you know operate with rest and um and good hydration and good food um but i I, from a preparation point of view um it's very hard to uh train for sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. i think it's how you're built and how you handle sleep deprivation that's probably you know some people you know you talk to would you ever do something like this and they say i can't handle sleep deprivation yeah I need my sleep, so mm-hmm. for some people, you know, operate on five, six hours a night sleep quite comfortably. So I think it, it depends on how you are with sleep. Yeah. Yourself. How many hours, how many hours during a say a five day race would you get? <laughs> depends. Yeah. Out. We did we did the world championships down at Shoalhaven, and we were out there for seven days. Seven and a half. Seven and a half yeah. days, and I think we totaled about nine hours sleep over seven and a half wow. days. Wow! Which was clearly not enough. Yeah. So, how? What's your strategy going into a race? We've changed our strategy now. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the strategy that was the first time that that team, our team, as we 
are now race together in an expedition race and um, the strategy was good. It was kind of, you know, the first 36, 30 hours straight, uh, then look for rest and um, sleep, you know, trying to sleep each night in between that uh, witching hour, you know, 2 to 5 a.m. type of stuff, get two to three hours kip and uh, keep going and that generally is enough to reset and yeah. uh, still think and still operate. Um, it went out the window window a bit because probably um, you get people, different people in the team different rhythm. having different rhythm mm-hmm. um, and I learned big lessons in that race by kind of not calling it and, you know, you'd say, all right, due for a sleep, um, how's everyone going? And someone would say, you know, no, no, I'm good. Let's keep going. The others two would sit on the fence. So you would be kind of inclined to say, okay, we'll keep going. And um, that's that was not good in the sense that we um, were making some mistakes later on because of sleep depth. Do you have, do you allocate a team captain that, yeah. that makes the call? Yeah, everybody has roles in the team. So Jake is our captain. Yeah. Um, we have two navigators. So Jake and Darren are our navigators, and uh, Grillsy, we've got a, a bear Grills in our team, and he's the workhorse, so he's... Um, he's our bull. He's our bull. Yeah. And What's the bull do? Carry extra, yeah. tow people. Yeah, right. He's, he's like a as strong as... Generally the strongest <laughs> and fittest. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. he just drives it, you know. Just helps out the weaker person. And I'm not really way. sure what I do. Sue's the queen <laughs> organiser. She yeah. organises us, keeps us in... In transitions. In I make sure when it's time to get up, I'm the best at waking everybody up. Yeah. The boys like to have a bit of a snooze and I'm like, <laughs> get the whip out, let's yeah. go. So get your ass in the gear. And I open up the chemist at about midnight, don't I? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> she certainly does, yes. We, um... So about midnight is when we all start to feel a bit sleepy and I start to get the no-dos out and make sure everybody's prepped up for the next couple of hours because we still have to go till about 2 o'clock. Yeah. So we get the no-dos happening and... Do you get... Is it... Have you... Can you have too many, too much no-dos and then not get to sleep when it's time to sleep? No. We, we're careful. We only have like one. Yeah. yeah. We don't overdo it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try not to race on them. Yeah. Um, some others race on them permanently. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, we try to only use it when necessary, yeah. but yeah, you, you should. We try and tailor it with everyone. Yeah. So there's not just one person yeah, peaking, peaking, and everyone else is tired. So, um, and everyone will have that moment where they're the weakest and feeling yeah. the worst and pulling, you know, dropping off or. So it's, hallucinating. It's, yeah, hallucinations. Yeah, hallucinations are good. Hallucinations going on. Yeah. And, um, you don't need to take drugs. No. You just need to not <laughs> sleep for about four days. Yeah. It works. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, it's great. You've got to try it. <laughs> one day, one day. When, when you go to eat, so you stop at a transition and eat, or you just stop whenever you choose to sort of well, break out the stove? And... Every discipline, at the end of every discipline, there's a transition. So yeah. we have the ability to replenish our packs right. and cook up food. Do you take that stuff with you, or do you? Depends you where. It depends how long the leg is and what the leg is. How cold it's going to be. Yep. That has a big bearing on on what we eat and whether we need to have a hot meal. Yep. Take a lot of dehydrated food with us. So, if we know we're going to be up in a, a snow mountain for a hundred k, we're going to take. Yeah, food. We're going to take some sort of cooker so we can cook up some something hot. Mm. And would you have cars at the transition? Do you come back to the same spot, or do you no? Know? So it's no, a, no. So. A, in the big races, the race organisers organise the transport. Yeah, okay. You know, so mm-hmm. we will turn up. Um, so if it's a bike leg, we'll turn up and our bike box will be there. We have to build our bikes up. Right. And then we'll ride in New Zealand. One of the legs was a 160k mountain bike ride. Wow. It took us about 20... 20-something 20 hours, 28 yeah. hours or something. Yeah. So <laughs> at the end of that, uh, yeah, we pulled in... Um, it was sort of getting cold. It was about five o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. We had to dismantle our bikes, put them in the bike box again, yeah. and then change, and then head up the mountain for a hundred k hike. Wow! So logistically, there's a lot of planning before yeah. the gun goes. So you're, you're giving it. You're given a logistics planner, and um, 
we have this year, we're able to, in God's own, have three team boxes, um, which were marked A, B, and C, and we were told where those boxes would be at different transitions. Right. And then bike boxes and a kayak bag as well. And um, you have to, this is where Sue's very good at the planning, carefully make sure that the gear that you need for the next leg is in each box. You've got to make sure your equipment's in the relevant box. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were teams there that turned up to a kayak and they hadn't put their life jackets in or whatever. Right. So... That's it. Well, yeah, no paddle. Yeah, or you got to wait until they source one for you, and then there's penalties and yeah. all sorts of things. Or you might turn up to you know, get off the bike onto a run leg, and you got no shoes, so you're running in mountain bike shoes, and it's not very good for your feet. And yeah. So you got to be careful with the logistics planning, and then uh, good event organisers will make sure that those boxes are there all the time before you you get there. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest mental things is the bike assembly and the bike yeah. disassembly, isn't it? When yeah. you're um, when you're sleep deprived yeah, as well, absolutely. and you've got to talk up. Could be up three o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah. In the middle so of the bush, you've got your own yeah. lighting and your own headlights. Everything is self-sufficient. Yeah. The race basically the provides nothing for yeah, you, right. except perhaps kayaks. You can't receive outside assistance no, right. um, during the race. So what you've got in those logistics is boxes and things is everything. So all your spare batteries, your can't, food, can't recharge. Your yeah. Yeah, right. Wow. What are you sleeping in? So, um, obviously, weight is an issue. So, the lighter you can go, this is where the sport gets expensive. Yeah. Um, so, I use, or most of us in our team use, a um, Cedar Summit um, very lightweight, ultralight um, uh, blow-up mattress. Yeah. And they weigh about 450 grams. And a Cedar Summit... Um, what are they called? The uh, ultralight um, yeah, sleeping, sleeping bag. bag. It's like a down. About that big, and it's, it goes down to about minus four. Minus four. Yeah. And, and it weighs about, about 500, grams. 500 grams. Right. So we're carrying our packs the whole time, um, and we're carrying anywhere between about eight and... Oh, no, more, more. Probably 10 and 16K. Right. Yeah. I've seen you... Walking around yeah. the bush with your backpack on, yeah. we've been running up hills, yeah. and you've been hiking with your, your loaded pack, yeah. practicing. I, I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, we don't have as we've got hills. New Zealand's got mountains, and when you mm. saw me out there, it was just find any hill in the Nasho and go Walk up down it as much as you can with a load on. The bigger, it, the, the, you've got to be as light as possible, but you know, and that's why we have dehydrated food and mm. things like that, which is and that's come a long way in. in um, outdoor sports where it's quite light and quite nutritious and easy to rehydrate you can have some of it rehydrated with just cold water as well yeah. and eat on the run um, but the the weight comes in pack rafting has become a big part of the sport because from an event um, organizers point of view it opens up the course because they don't have to have a remote transition so just for your listeners who don't know what pack rafting is they're, they're rafts and we have double ones where they weigh about four kilos and they, we have to inflate them. So we carry them with our paddles and our life jackets, and we might have a pack raft in the middle of a 100k hike. Wow. So we have to stop, inflate the rafts, and we can raft for 20k, yeah. pack them back up, and then continue out the rest of our hike. We might do that several times during the 100ks. Yeah. How do you inflate it? Do you have a pump? or? Yes, we have a, a little Foot hand pump, pump here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two-way hand pump, yeah. Yeah. They they do those. They, you can inflate them with the bag that it comes in, but it just takes longer. You collect air into the bag and, and squish the air uh, into it. Yeah. But that's a very slow way of doing it. Yeah. yeah. So that opens up the courses, but it, it, when you're in those legs, um, it becomes pretty heavy mm. and slow going. Right. And that could be in the middle of the night too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Um, anywhere, anytime, whenever yeah. you hit that leg. You're into it. Yeah. Is there any mandatory gear that you have to take? Um, Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So there, there's a whole heap of mandatory gear, um, clothing, particular types of clothing. Uh, we have to have a tent between our, our team. A tent so, that can fit all four in? Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily <laughs> sleep in, but... <laughs> <laughs> you can physically fit in. Yeah. So if it's a nice day, do you sleep under the stars? Yeah, and, we have bivvies, yes. Yeah. So yeah. getting back to our sleeping oh, yeah. arrangements, yeah. so, you know, you've got your mat, your sleeping bag, and then a bivvy, yeah. which is... So waterproof. A waterproof, yeah. yeah. And it depends where we are, how long we're sleeping, how much trouble we go to with our sleeping arrangements. But when you're sleeping, you want to 
be comfortable because you want to try and get as much sleep as you can. I mean, one race we slept under on a picnic table. Oh, yeah. That and it good. was just it was ridiculous. Just it was so hard. Running. We may as well have kept going, you know. Yeah. So Start you've got to be comfortable. We learned that if you go to sleep, you find somewhere that's comfortable. And you make and the most of it. And make the most of it. Like in, in God's own, in um, the start of the big trek leg, and it was started, It was just past midnight, and a, a few of us were starting to get pretty tired. But from a nav point of view, I could see on the map that if we just got up into this saddle, there'd be probably a good spot to to have a few hours kit. And um, we did. We got up there and set up, and it was nice and still. There was no wind, and I remember just you know lying back finally and just tired as, and um, but then just became awakened by the sky it was just the milky way was felt like it was on my forehead it was where, just amazing where were you where was god's own machine so christchurch was so akaroa um, which is just on the out to the coast from christchurch yeah. a little french um old school fishing village was the event center and it was called canterbury um which canterbury is a big place in new zealand but um it's centered around um up into the Arthur's Pass and kind of through the ranges, the New Zealand mountain range that runs kind of southwest, um, and then ran, you know, basically started up near Arthur's Pass and came down southwest through that range and then back down the Rakaia River back to the coast and then up to Akaroa. So we paddled one day from the mountains to the sea, which was the most yeah. amazing day. So we paddled up about 130k yeah, wow. in one day, wow. which was inc- a long way, the yeah. river is incredible. <laughs> Moving river. Cold yeah. too, I bet. Yeah, it's glacial fed. Yeah. Yeah, so you don't want to fall in. <laughs> well, some people did. <laughs> how, uh, how many days a week are you paddling your training? Uh, I... I don't particularly like paddling. It's probably not a Sue's favourite. No one wants to get in a boat with me because I just whinge the whole time. <laughs> New Zealand was good because it was moving. I I despise still water paddling because it's just so boring yeah. and you don't go very fast. Yeah. So, yeah, that sort of, I mean, those stand-up paddle borders, I could never do that. Um, Whereas Adam loves paddling, so we threw <laughs> Sue in Adam's boat. Right, so he's, a, yeah. he's the workhorse. Well, yeah. pa- Adam, he... He actually won the Hawkesbury Classic yeah. this year. He's an extremely good paddler, which is a 111k paddle oh, up on yeah. the Hawkesbury. So he loves paddling, so it's it's good to be in his boat. So, um, yeah, but getting back to how many days a week, we probably do three, maybe four paddles a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of race-specific too. So, like, the good thing about God's Zone, they give you a bit of an idea of the breakup of So they advise this year 50% on bike this year and 30% on water and 20% on foot. So we kind of designed our training plan somewhere between the, I think we we're aiming for 16 to 20 hours a week, and then we just broke it up um, uh, with those disciplines, mm. that percentage. And are you riding in the race um, a normal mountain bike, like your normal ones that we see on the yes. trails here? Yeah. Not uh, like a gravel road bike no, or anything? No, like no, no, there's not much gravel <laughs> road to... It, it's... Fire road and hike a bike... Yeah, right. So to give you an example, that 160k bike leg was the start of it. We chewed up so much of it so quick because it was predominantly downhill yeah. and um, we were having a good old time and then the hard work hit and we had to kind of go up. Up the mountain range. Up mountain range that was barely rideable and then um, over into and rode down a river. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, we kept... Sort of snaking across the river. I don't know how many times we did river crossings. And and it was all good in the river for a while. You had like four drive tracks in and out of it that you could follow and you'd only have to get off every now and then and then it kind of stopped and it was a bit slow going and then you had to pick a an exit point out of up a, up a ridge, up a spur or something where you had to hike a bike out of it and yeah. that really slows your average pace down. Yeah, especially when you're carrying a big backpack. But there are, you know, there, I mean, I there were times where, there's times in these races where you actually get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Like, the danger factor is there. And they, they told us at the briefing, you know, here we are hearing about this beautiful place we're going to go and see, and you just said, be careful out there, you could die, you yeah. know, and that's just, they're quite raw about yeah. it, you yeah. know, and it's very true. I mean, I was out of my comfort zone a couple of times, yeah. you yeah, know, I... just thinking, holy shit, this is, <laughs> this is really dangerous what yeah. we're doing here. What walking kind of um, scree... <clears throat> razor edge kind of ridge lines and things like that and yeah. they're quite common and 
I, you know, you know it's it's kind of going to be a bit risky when you, yeah, you know, we've all signed event waivers and all that sort of stuff, mm. and you know, you, this one's a legal contract. So it's about right. eight pages long, and you got to initial yeah. each page, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is serious stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and people have people have unfortunately died during these races, so yeah. you know there was a, a someone years ago, an Australian fellow who who was hit on the head by. a a falling rock from a team above. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so it is. there is a massive danger factor in this. Yeah, when it's just pure wilderness. Yes. You're not really uh, riding on a trail or any, you know, could mm. be there could be another team close by. There mightn't be another team for 10K, I yep. suppose. Exactly. So you're not... Get even, spread out. Do you have to carry radios or phones or anything like that? Or sat phones? Yeah, there's or? a number of... Um, we have to carry... Safety beak, not safety oh, beak. Um, yeah, e-perbs. E-perbs. Yeah, um, We do have phones where they're all sealed up, so right. we're not to use them because we can't use any oh, navigation. Navigation, right? Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you pull them out, you pretty much we're allowed. The, we're only allowed to carry a compass and now altimeters. Yeah. Anything beyond that, GPS is not a, a band. Right. So our phones are there for safety reasons. Um, and the library tracker. Once that seal is broken, we have to have a good enough reason. Yeah. You know. Depending on the event, like this year in God's Own, they they got a yellow brick tracker, which is also for them tracking us and also people at home watching the race from a computer, I suppose, or a phone. Um, But it also has the the ability to communicate both ways. Um, So if, I don't know, bad weather or something came in, it starts beeping and you've got to check it. Um, then you've got your EPIRB, which is only to be used in the event of a pretty extreme emergency. And um, not this year, but the year before, over there, they had, um, it was in the Fjordland area, so it was pretty dense and no, not much reception and black spots, so they had a requirement to carry a flare. So they, mm-hmm. they're pretty good with their, um, yeah. their duty of care, I suppose. Yeah, so, right. So they would need to be, I well imagine. Yeah, that's right. So I'm going to have another beer, can I offer you another beer, and then I want you guys to tell us a story. Surely you'll have a, a, a story, a funny story or two that you can, you can share with us. Mm. <laughs> Certainly do. <laughs> when did we start? Oh, well, there's XBD, the, the, the dreaded paddle, the cold paddle, Darren on fire. <laughs> Darren on fire, losing my shoe. Losing my shoe. Options, which I've got the XBA again. I've got a session ale or an, or an IPA. What? You'd like the session ale, I reckon. Would I? Yeah, I think you would. Like a good session, do I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, what are you thinking? I enjoyed the XBA. Yeah, you go again. really good, mate. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I didn't mind that. Yeah. Do you want to stick with what you know? No, I'll try something. You're, you're a risk taker. DT? I have a red one, please. have a red? I'll I'll see your session and I'll uh, have one too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so tell us, uh, give us a good story from one of your your trips. Oh, a good story. What about when we got married? Oh, that's right. (laughs) That was a a good case of the... um, the, um, Hallucinations. Hallucinations, wasn't it? Yeah. What happened? So we were coming off uh, in the XPD World Champs in Australia, which we were in Shoalhaven in 2016. Um, we, it was about leg five, I think. Uh, it was a 48-kilometre um, trek from... Butterwangs, yeah, yeah, through the Butterwangs from, from Yadbra, which is just below Pigeon House Mountain, up over the castle and through the um, Monolith Valley out to um, Neriga Hotel. And, and if um, anybody has... Never done this. You, it's a must. Oh, you must go and see the Monolith Valley. It yeah. is absolutely something's on our doorstep. It is the most beautiful mm. walk you could do. I've done Pigeon House Mountain. Yeah, yeah haven't been to Monolith Valley. No, no, this is the, the castle. Is like castle. next to Pigeon House, and it's um, a brilliant. It's it's a lot sketchier to get up to the top. There's mm. a few ropes and things rather than the nice ladders on yeah. Pigeon House. But um, it's a brilliant um, um, ridge line that kind of just looks straight down back over the Monolith Valley and up towards um, west, I suppose. And, um, yeah, so we had to, you know, it was a little bit dodgy the way that the, the tracks were marked on the maps too and were advised of that, so it got a little bit difficult in there on a nav point of view. But, um, yeah, we'd been going, and that was the race where we hadn't managed our sleep very well. Um, and uh, we were getting quite delusional 
and it was uh, day it had gone into night time and we were trekking along a trek and it was quite boring but um, interesting in the sense of the um, hallucinations that were starting and Darren took over didn't he what you went into celebrant mode? Yeah, and decided to, that Jake and I should get married, so we had the whole marriage ceremony. So Sue was getting a bit naughty and I was walking along, so when someone's naughty and we want to keep going for a bit, we hook arms and yeah. so they can kind of doze off and not fall over and, and hurt themselves. basically. Yeah. 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 And um, Darren, when he gets um, a little bit uh, delusional or um, hallucinates, he goes extremely funny, he, he a little bit crazy and... Yeah, he, he came up with a marriage Yes, um, so Jake and I, well, you became... Mustafa. Mustafa. and yeah. From the Lion King. And, right. Yeah, he married yeah. us off and... Jeez. Oh, yeah, then we got to... We need drugs and we got to deprivation the, in, uh, in the wilderness. Oh, uh, yeah, and... Oh, the caving with your brothers. And then we finished that leg and then we got to... We had a... Uh, got to Nerica pub and it was brilliant. We had these... Um, the guys there, it was morning and the guys, the publican had put on the barbecue and selling bacon and egg rolls for $2.50 each and we always carry a card or a bit of cash on us as well so in case we get a chance to buy real food and so we we're feeling better had a bit of a sleep there again not long enough but um, then had a 70 kilometer road ride out to um, Bungania Caves, Bungania National Park and this is um, where it got interesting we, we got in there and um, it was a quick transition but right when we we're about to go we had to do a safety brief about the caves and um, there was six caves and we had to get five of six checkpoints to avoid any penalties, time penalties of four hours per checkpoint and we had to get one checkpoint to one cave to stay ranked. And um, a hailstorm came in, a massive hailstorm and it was... Five o'clock in the afternoon. Six inches thick of ice out on the outside where we we were getting the debrief and... um, uh, so we, we had a bit of a 40-minute delay and then there was concern whether we should go in the caves and flooding things because of flooding and water, but they said it was okay, so we got going. And um, you could only... What, in most caves, you could only have one team in at once and you had to leave your backpacks outside. So we get to caves and um, one particular one, um, it was a little bit cold and so it was starting to get cold and we are all starting to shiver a bit and um, another team was waiting behind us and Darren decided to do an aerobics class. Um, <laughs> Warm up. <laughs> to warm up. So he had us all doing aerobics and star jumps and all sorts of stuff. All these teams about midnight we'll stand there doing aerobics and <laughs> dancing. And the other teams got into it. Oh too. yeah, absolutely. Got into yeah, it. absolutely. Yeah. We're all as stupid as each other and And these caves are not nice caves. <laughs> these are dirty little rat holes. That's and, what we um, call them. You know, like I'm not a small bloke and oh. um, we were kind of warned <laughs> that a team that had a smaller bloke in it than me in one of the six caves, one of the blokes couldn't get through. There was like a probably a six, eight inch gap that you had to go through on your wow. side. You have to manoeuvre yourself through. Yeah. So it's like a, it's actual caving. Oh, it's not, Bungonia, it's not you, like a, no, Bungonia has hundreds of caves. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's so the hardest thing. There's no nice little manicured <coughs> path. No, no, no. Beacons every, you no, know, you There's no actually, lighting. <laughs> no, no, it's just completely black. One of the hardest things with the caving was you, you've got these nice topo maps that you're used to navigating on to yeah. there, and then you get given this caving map that has no north direction, right. it has no grid lines, it's got no scale, it's got nothing, and it's hand-drawn. Hand oh. You're like, well, what does this mean? And yeah. um, the hardest thing was finding the caves because imagine walking up into the Nash only to go off into the bush and you're looking yeah. for a pile of rocks yeah. that's got a, a 50 cent, like a hole somewhere and a 50 cent piece with a B52 written yeah. on it. It's got a copper plaque at that, the size of... Yeah. That marks the, uh, the entry. And some of them aren't any bigger than a wombat hole yeah. to the entry. Really? So crawl down into it and then... So there was one called the, um, what was it called? The honey pot. And these guys were coming out of it and I looked down there and I'm going, my God, I don't know if I can get in there. And <laughs> the bloke looked at me and goes, yeah, I thought the same thing. Don't worry, you'll be right. <laughs> And so, on the way out to that to those caving, Darren was. He said to me, "What? Well, we're riding along, and um, he was fourth wheel, I was third wheel." And he goes, "Hey, Jake, I'm pretty worried about these caves, hey." And I said, "Yeah, me too, mate. I'm. I don't like confined spaces either." He goes, "No, no, I'm shit scared, mate. <laughs> I'm really fucking scared. I don't want to do it." And I'm like. 
all right, mate, don't worry, it's all good, you'll be right. And then when we got there, the first thing I did is go, you're on nav, and gave him the maps to, to distract, <laughs> distract him. him. But then he got me back as we got to that honeypot cave, and he goes, Rightio, Rusi, you're in, let's go. And his theory was if Jake can fit, yeah. everyone else can fit. He's no bloody smaller than you, mate. Yeah. Yeah. He was our crash test dummy. So, uh, oh. so in I went and uh, we got down and it was like oh, one of those caves that you're kind of, you're looking down and you, you kind of only imagine a cylinder around yourself and um, you're kind of looking down and going, where does it go? I can't even see where it goes. I mean, you just keep kind of wiggling down, don't you? And um, wow. it came into a little kind of... Um, Cabin. Cabin, yeah. cabin, yeah, and um, you still had to crouch. And we saw the checkpoint, got it, and Sue came in, Darren came in, Adam came in, and we moved around. And then we go, okay, let's get out of here. And I'm trying to get out of this thing, and I'm, I'm remembering how I had to go when I went down into the actual cave. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I just can't get my chest through. And then I, you had to have a helmet on, so I took my helmet off and pushed that through. And then I took my jacket off, and I was trying to oh. do different ways to get out. And I started to get a bit. A bit panicky and I'm just like couldn't get through and I just popped back to the cabin and I said to the guys we're stuffed, I can't get out <laughs> Jesus, leave me here <laughs> and then the joke started don't worry, we'll just throw down some goose and <laughs> keep you alive until they come and get you and uh, yeah, so I got a, a nickname and a nickname of Plugger out of that but um, <laughs> what happened was we are going to throw Sue in first to try and see if she could get through and then Adam who's caved out there before he goes give me a go and he's trying to get through and he couldn't get through at all mm. he comes out and goes oh, this is not good then he looks around and he goes hang on that's not the exit you idiot the exit's over here <laughs> so, you're trying so to Jake get was trying to get through so I was trying to get through some, some thing that didn't go anywhere because yeah. I was so delusional and tired and, yeah. just and then he that. started to stress and and we, that just made us laugh every, even yeah. more. Wow. <laughs> so that was an interesting uh, interesting experience. Experience, yeah, wow. That's something you don't get on a uh, road marathon or a triathlon no, or a, no. you know, six foot or something. And, uh, and so have you had other experiences where you've missed your, say, drop-off or your food drop-off or something like that and you've had to go extra extended periods without supplies or gear or anything like that? Or have you been so well prepared that... In fact, you, you've been fortunate where you, you know, you've, you've gone through the race pretty well prepared. I think thanks to Sue's point, I think most of, most of the time we're pretty good. We have yeah. a, Darren forgot his uh, nicks his in the wild side, didn't he? Oh, that's a funny story. You've got to tell that one. So Darren forgot to put his padded nicks in, right? So it, the, sh- the, the nicks to the chamois. So anyway, he's decided he had a jumper and he shoved it down his dacks. <laughs> And he rode, and he rode for like 60k with these, this big bum. <laughs> anyway, later in the night, we were back on the trekking, we're back on foot, and it got really cold. And I said to Daz, "Oh, has anybody got a spare top? I'm really cold." So he gives me his jumper, and little did I know <laughs> that he'd been sitting on this uh, with lovely. His sweaty balls for about 60k. <laughs> Good for the team. And I put it on. <laughs> he didn't tell me until the end of the race. <laughs> yeah, so that's the only probably one I can remember that we had a, a gear mishap. But you, you do learn to improvise, you know, and we've all got enough gear amongst us. We, you know, we come, we become like little brothers and sisters, and we, yeah. you know, and we we help each other out. And the camaraderie out there is fantastic. And have you got a crew that sort of sits, goes no. between checkpoints? No, no, everyone has races. So yeah, I, I read that you, you can't actually have crew. Is is that correct? Like yeah, a lot of them say look, the, the, the Geo Quest, you, you do have a crew. Um, I don't particularly like it. Right, it actually puts me out of out of sorts. Yeah. I prefer to just do my own. Um, you know, my own preparing and when I get into a, a transition, I know what I have to do. I don't want people to do it for me. Yeah. So I don't like that. It can be a little bit too comfortable, can't it? When yeah, you've got you know, you support crew there. <laughs> put chairs out. I mean we did we did Lloydie actually crewed for us at one GeoQuest and it was about eleven o'clock in the morning and we come in off a paddle and we came into a um fisherman's club. Yeah, it? some Down sort of fisherman's rolling club, yeah. And they didn't really have. They didn't really help us because <laughs> eleven o'clock in the morning they were very drunk, the Turks. <laughs> and eating oysters. On the bird, the prawns and oysters. 
and we left, in the morning. we actually left that transition, and one of our our guys had no water. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so, that's right. Yeah, he does. So sometimes it's good not to have too many people in the yeah, mix. Yeah. You, you know what you've got to do. And then focus yeah. more yeah. if you're just doing it yourself. We all have jobs. When we get into transition, we all have jobs allocated to us of what we've got to do. I mean, yeah. Jake being the navigator, he, his priority when yeah. we, we do any of this is, is to prepare the maps. Yeah. If we don't have your maps prepped, well, you've yeah, got well, no hope of getting through the race. Yeah, the, um, the, the changes, like God's Own, for example, over in New Zealand, they have three categories. First time this year, they've had three categories. Last year, they had two categories. So they got Pursuit, which is a support where you have your support crew. And so you might have two support crew and they turn up at transitions with all your gear and so forth, and um, which means that you can kind of, there's less planning, I suppose, and so forth. And then the Pure, which is where you're, you've got to do your own logistics like we've just been talking about. And then they've just um, this year put on a... The same length course as the um, pursuit category, but unsupported. I can't remember. They called it Prime, I think. Mm. And um, so that was to attract international teams to come over. Because if you're going to New Zealand and you want to do the te- the teaser race or the taster, the pursuit category, how do you take support crew over there? It's quite yeah. costly. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing with support crew. You know, can you convince your mates to take a few yeah. days off work yeah. or go away from the family and? Yeah. Becomes, pay for their petrol and all that sort of stuff yeah. and, and sit around and wait for you so yeah, yeah. unsupported is easier mm. yeah. yeah have you guys done the, the Katmandu coast to coast in New Zealand no I haven't no is it the Katmandu one is it Katmandu yeah coast to coast I was having a read up on it yeah. is, is that the old spates one is it yeah the one that goes yeah no it hasn't it, you've actually got to be a very competent paddler. Yeah, um, like sixty-seven kilometres of kayaking. Yeah, in moving water. In too. moving water. Moving so water. it right. is the moving water over there is moving. Is moving, yeah. and as we said before, it's very cold, and you really have to know. Um, and and what was happening when we were moving on? You, you're making decisions on which yeah. route to take. You're making these decisions every. Every thirty seconds, yeah, right. because you've got to constantly watch it's like rapids. the way the water's moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got to pick your route. Every yeah, thirty seconds, you've got to make a decision. So you've got to be really on the ball. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's um, road riding too, which isn't really my forte. forte. Yeah. <laughs> I've got. So this is what it is. It says a three. So it's from coast to coast. Yeah. Across, yeah, yeah. Obviously, in the name, three kilometer run, fifty five yeah. kilometer cycle. That that would be the road, I yeah. imagine. Yeah. 33-kilometre mountain run, 15-kilometre cycle, 800-metre run, 67-kilometre uh, kayak, and then another 70-kilometre cycle, yep. giving you 243 yeah. kilometres. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I've known people to do that race, um, and I've listened to other podcasts of Australians that have done this race. So that that initial 2K at the start, or 2 or 3K at the start, they are flat out yeah. because they're trying to get on the first pack. Yeah, okay. Oh, on the bike. Yeah. Because yeah, okay. so, so, it starts the like, bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's quite... It's like a it's incredibly like a fast to start off with. Yeah. Um, Robbie... A few of the elite adventure races yeah. in Australia have tackled it the last few years. Yeah. And um, Robbie Preston... He's one of Australia's best mountain... And, and that's what he was talking about. He missed the jump. Mm. He was always in this second yeah, pack, right. chasing, chasing, chasing. You've got no hope. You've got no hope. So that race can be done and dusted within the first three k. Yeah, right. yeah, If you don't get on that, that first Tim, pack. Yeah. Tim Boot from the same team, Thought Sports, did this year and did particularly well. He top ten. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's two versions of it. I think there's the <coughs> longest day, which is yeah. the, well, and then there's the two day same course over two days. Yeah. As well. So what do you guys got? What's what's the next event coming up? So the next the next big one is XPD, um, which is the Australian event. They've just announced the next XPD in Australia, which is Port Douglas. So it's another multi day event. You know, up to seven to ten days. Yeah. Um, What month is that? In July, twenty twenty. Okay. So you've got twelve months to prepare for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there'll be a few lead up races that we're doing. yeah, you know, we got later this month a thing called Nav Shield, which is all on foot, twelve hour row gun, um, and that's just good nav training. It's yeah, aimed at all the emergency services guys and row gainers and that. Um, and then there's you know some other, some other leading races that we'll do 
early next year in prep for it. But it's um it looks exciting. It's they've just they've only just announced the location and it's um they're calling it Rivers of Gold and it's kind of uh, you know, based on the old gold rush up there where, you know, they actually already said they're starting us with a paddle from the Great Barrier Reef um, oh. back. Um, yeah, so we'll cross, crocs up there? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, a bit worried about. We, we cross um, over to the Gulf of Carpentaria. Is that a kanji or is that out of the season for that? Yeah, it's dry season, so I'm yeah, not, not be, sure. Yeah, July, upset. winter. It's normally summer, I think. Yeah, I think those ones yeah. are summer. Yeah, but then we have... We, I'll, I'll probably do a <laughs> lot of mountain bike. Yeah. The mountain bike racing as well, we do a lot of as well. Yeah, so yeah, we got the 24 hour that Lloydie's yeah. book is still getting into that. Yeah. Are there still a few 24 hour mountain bike races around? Yeah, there's yeah. Jet Black Run one. I think that's the one yeah, we're doing at, at, at so, near Lithgow. And one. we do some of the multi day ones. I've just yep. come back from a, a four day mountain bike race. Port the Port. So we do stuff like that just yeah. to keep on our toes. Mm. Been trying to. Tie Jason English down for a, um, uh-huh. a podcast. That'd be a good one. Um, we almost crossed paths at six foot. He did six foot track this year mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. Wow. wow. And, uh, he's um he's known to do some adventure racing. Yeah. Right. And um, Jess Douglas, who's another twenty four hour Australian solo champion. Solo champion. She did. Um, she, she just did. did, did she just did geo this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a lovely man. We used to. I think we. I'm not sure if we still sponsor him, but we used to sponsor Jason. So, yeah, incredible, incredible rider. Yeah, Jeez, if he did six foot track, he must have only because then he just got off that thousand k bike race. Or in Canberra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he had so how did he go? In... He, he did really well. Like he he went under four hours. Yeah. It might have been like three fifty. Really? Yeah, three fifty something, low fifties, and that was the first time he's done it. Impressive. So, wow. Yeah, just. <laughs> A big engine, you know, just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, impressive, impressive guy. He yeah. does a lot of good work up there. He's a school teacher, mm. so he does a lot, a lot yeah. of good work with the young, the young nice. kids with riding as well. So gets them involved. Yeah. Uh, are your kids are uh, involved, like come to watch or train with you, or how? how no, is my that? kids don't really care what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Two fifteen-year-old boys, so yeah. it's all about them. Yeah. What are they doing? Um, one's a downhill mountain biker, yeah, yep. and um, one's a mad surfer, and he he's actually got regional cross country tomorrow. Cool. So he um, he's an incredible runner, but just won't run. Yeah. Doesn't train. No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> he's got his mother's talent running and his father's attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's um, yeah, it's really frustrating. But anyway, um, and yeah, and Jackson just he's a he loves his downhill yep. riding. That's good. How about you, Joe? Yeah, they're in that same age group where they're teen- teenagers, and uh, yeah, but they they came to New Zealand with us yeah. and um, enjoyed it. They like that. They, they both love New Zealand, and um, they're both into <clears throat> soccer and basketball. They both play rep basketball and love yeah. that. So yeah, that's the quite inspirational. You've heard like in, in the whole team, just uh, getting out there amongst it. That's for sure. Yeah. I had one uh, question actually, Jake. I know you're fond of uh, snapping a mountain bike frame. <laughs> the little fellow that you are. Have you ever had a major, like a catastrophic failure during the race? Yes, we have. Yeah. So there was a Geo Quest up in. Oh, where was that? Crescent Head? Was it? With the, oh, yeah. The pizza wheel? Is that what you're t- referring no, to? No, I was talking about my Geralia. Oh, yeah, there was, there was a couple. So. I lost, um, I was riding next to Sue on this sticky type of trail. It was only like, I think, leg four. So it was like day one still, I think, into an adventure race. And um, a stick came up through my back wheel and I stopped quickly and then looked at it and Sue goes, how bad is it? And I said, well, I don't think you meant to ride without six spokes. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we had a decision to make, you know, I could either leave the race and get picked up and yeah. uh, we still had a bit 30k to go I think in that in, the ride, yeah. in that leg and then um, so I ended up um, said there was no way I'm going to risk I want to risk it so 
we just rode out of the saddle and just nursed it. Yeah. And then um, at transition, because that was a supported race, so we had Lloydy there. Lloydy actually had his bike up there, right. which happened to be a 10-speed um, chain setup as well. So, But the problem was he's, I was on a 29 and he was on a 26-inch bike. So <laughs> I said, fix Jaker. it. So <laughs> I was on uh, a 26-inch rear and a 29-inch oh, nice. um, front <laughs> for the rest of it, and it got us through. And, um, awesome. Yeah, um, so that was one, and then your derailleur are in XPD actually in Shoalhaven race. Yeah. yeah, no day. So here we are. What seven day race, and it was day two. Day two, first big bike lead. First big bike ride. My spring, my rear derailleur went, so I had one gear. Oh wow! So I basically rode the whole race single speed. Wow. Yeah. And then I realised I could change it. I had to stop if I saw a hill coming. I would stop and manually change it with my yeah. hand. But then I realised if I bunny hopped off a rock and changed my gear at the same time, it would work. Uh-huh. I could flick it across. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It made it very difficult. She was very happy when she found that out. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Changed gears. So it was hard when I knew I had a couple of, you know, one was a hundred k mountain bike ride with one gear. Wow. In the Jason mountains. is a single speeder, isn't he? He'd probably appreciate. Oh that. yeah. Well, he doesn't race single speed, but he's. He could. He could. <laughs> but there was another one I raced over in, in God's Own Pursuit category the year before, not with these guys. I got asked to join a team that I didn't even know, so I thought I'll go over and check it out. And um, the, There was uh, uh, the mountain bike league, and um, we were going pretty well. It was a difficult nav, and we were making our way through it. And then um, one of the blokes in the team, he's um, uh, snapped off his derailleur like – actually snapped it off it was just <laughs> hanging and um so we we kind of went into bush mechanic mode and um we had chain links and we converted it to a single speed took the derailleur off and um and unfortunately um he was a bit tired and kind of i think missed the instruction if we're going up hills don't load it up you know you might snap the chain again and he snapped it so and then we were trying then it had bent sprockets and we're trying to uh the next minute we had to uh, pushed the bike for another 26Ks and then we dropped into a farmer's house who <laughs> we said to the farmer, look, strange request that you don't have a mountain bike we could borrow, do you? And he goes, oh, in fact, I've got two. Come and have a look. <laughs> and the one that he had was the perfect size for the other guy and it was actually a better bike than his. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. And being good, um, as they said, southerners from yeah. um, or Southland, as they call them, um, down in, in the Fjordland region, um, they was offered to give him a number and everything. Yeah, no, you'll be right. We trust you. Just bring it back after the race. And <laughs> cool. It was great. great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good experiences like that. Yeah. yeah. Lovely people. Yeah. That's good. Cheers, eh? Awesome. So what's in this uh, goo pack that you, you brought in? It's, uh... Well, it's a new flavour goo, um, Hoppy Trails. So I think it's based on a... The beer hops. Ah. And, um, beer while you run. Beautiful. Yeah, you can't ask for much more, can no, you? That's right. The two great things in life. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to, yeah, it's like you've never left the office. No. <laughs> that's good. I look forward to trying these. So um, it's been great having you guys in and, and chatting and sharing your stories. So thanks very much for giving up your time and coming in. Uh, thanks for bringing in the, the, the goo giveaways. That's, that's been no. awesome. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the, the filter beers. We have. And, uh, They're a nice drop. Yeah. We're looking for those. No, we just hope we've inspired people to get out there and don't be scared to try these things and push yourselves and... Mm. Yeah, you know, well, you've sound, you made it sound like a lot of fun, you know, like it sounds yeah. like, you know... What's, what's the end, the best entry to the sport? Is it the Paddy Palin? Yeah, the, absolutely. Those, you know, they, the they put on some great races and, and sort of don't ever hours. think you can't do it, you know, yeah. because if you think like that, you'll never do it. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it's you've got to start somewhere in, and these little races yeah. are, are fantastic little teasers to get in and, and before yeah. you know it, you'll be doing these multi-day events because they... It's addictive. They're addictive. addictive. It's addictive because of where it takes you. Yeah. You know, to places that you'll never go. No. Mm. But just being able to push yourself. And, and you come, you actually take a life lesson from each one that you mm. do. And you come back a different person. And yeah. the way you think about life is, the way I think about life now is very different to, you know, you're not materialistic mm. anymore. You just... Yeah, you know the struggle and you uh, experience... Experience life in a couple of days. Yeah, and yeah. It yeah and great. we really we focus on things that really don't need to be 
yeah. focused on. You know, there's so much out there, and that's what life's about. Yeah, breathing the fresh air. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, it's been great. It sounds like you're having fun while you're doing it, and you're already planning 12 months ahead. So we will catch up with you and get some more stories in the future. Follow sure. Guru Roos. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, it. that's right. And if anyone does want to buy some goo, you can get it online. And uh, if you use the Running Matters discount code, you get 15% discount online. So there Very you good. go. Bring keeps it on. Gi- keeps giving. All right, guys. Over and out. See you out there on the trails. Thanks, Matt.